What do plants need to grow? Soil, sunlight, and water. The real question, what do you need to grow? Hi, Ed. This is Tech. Real talk, real teachers, real tech leaders, and concrete next steps for upskilling your career. So, hey, everyone. Welcome to the podcast, which Rob and I officially named this morning, and it's Hi, Ed. This is Tech. So we're very excited by that. Um, so this is our first episode and we are super happy to be here. And so I'm Anna and my co-host is Rob. Rob, wanna say hi? Everyone. Hi, thanks again for, yeah, yeah hi. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us today. Super excited to get this kicked off. And we feel that there's been a need for transitioning teachers to uh, speak with some experts and we're happy to loop some of those folks in. Um, and maybe that's a great segue to introduce uh, a former colleague of mine, a friend of mine, definitely a mentor, uh, Amanda Rice. She was a former uh, manager and VP at, at Schoology, a senior sales director at uh, PowerSchool, and now a VP of sales again with a new company. Amanda, why don't you jump in here and uh, feel free to introduce yourself. Thanks, Rob, for the introduction. Um, so as Rob mentioned, I spent the last 10 years of my career basically building out inside sales teams and SDR teams at SaaS organizations. So I have a lot of experience hiring great sales reps uh, as well as SDRs. Also quickly to find SDRs in case you're not familiar, they're sales development representatives. So it's an entry level cold calling position. And uh, through my experience at Schoology, I had the opportunity to hire a lot of former teachers that were transitioning and looking to get into careers at sales. Um, and so I'm excited to be a part of the conversation today and potentially help some other teachers as well that are looking to make the transition. Yeah. And then we also have a transitioning teacher here with us, Jessica, who is based in Oregon, just like me. So got two Oregonians on this call, which rarely happens. I feel like um, everyone I talk to is on the East Coast, but she is a current teacher and she's looking to go into a sales role. So Jessica, do you want to give us a little bit about your background? Yeah. Um, so I went to Washington State University um, and I got a bachelor's in psychology um, and I honestly wasn't sure what to do with that. And so I started working at an elementary school for a reading intervention program um, just as an instructional assistant. And it just wasn't enough responsibility for me. Um, I wanted more. I wanted to work more with students. Um, and so I decided to get a master's in teaching. And um, I have taught first grade ever since. So I'm um, six years in and ready to make um, the transition into hopefully ed tech. So, yeah. Great. Well, That's we're great. super happy I'm, I'm, to have both of you here. Yeah, thank you. I'm curious if you want to start off, uh, Jess, what's making you uh, have interest in leaving? Um, I honestly, I have gotten pretty involved in the LinkedIn community. And I just have seen... I mean, really an overwhelming amount of teachers that are just so happy with um, their, I wouldn't say stress-free, but less stress life being outside of the classroom. Um, and personally for me, I just feel like the culture is changing. And so I'm just wanting something different. I'm just wanting to transition into something else. My passion is definitely still in education. I love education and I have a huge passion for teachers and students. 
So if I could um, transition into ed tech, I think it would be a pretty seamless switch. Um, But yeah, I think that's kind of where my head is at right now. But really, the LinkedIn community is what is really giving me that extra push just because there's so much positivity around the teacher transition right now. So... Yeah, there's there's certainly a lot going on right now in education, and I'm I'm very uh, versed in LinkedIn too, uh, as is Anna, and you know that's what we've been noticing. Um, I'm curious now if maybe we could switch over to Amanda, and see you know what have been your takeaways with hiring former educators for these ed tech sales roles versus maybe folks that haven't been in ed, um, but the floor is yours if you want to take that in any direction. You broke up at one point there. You said um, hiring former ed tech, uh, or excuse me, hiring former teachers into ed tech. So can you say that one more time? Yeah, if, if you want to elaborate on uh, some of your takeaways from hiring former educators for ed tech sales um, and what you've noticed over the years, and then maybe in comparison to folks that were not in education previously for the same types of, types of roles. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think a big piece for me is I've always think about like the traits and the skill sets that I'm looking to hire for. And so at the end of the day, if the person has those traits and characteristics, then they're going to be a great fit for the role. Um, And so a big part of my job and responsibility as a hiring manager is to determine, does that transitioning teacher have those uh, traits and skill sets? And so it may be helpful to actually kind of define what I'm looking for in a candidate. So um, a couple of key things from a sales perspective The first piece that I think about is this go-getter drive, like the ability to figure things out and and solve problems on your own. Like you really can run through brick walls to figure things out. Uh, Second is communication skills. So they listen really well. They ask good questions. Um, And then the third piece is I would consider it like confidence, but it's also like an assertiveness. So like they know how to push the conversation forward in the sale as well as um, lower priorities, but still important, like resilience, coachability, and positive attitude. The reason the top three are so important to me is what I found is when I do hire candidates that have those three, like not only do they have the ability to figure things out on their own, no matter how great our training program is, but they also have the assertiveness to move a deal forward, which is really, really, really important. Um, So it it is a tough transition to not only learn some of the sales skills that you need, um, but also things like the communication style and the confidence and assertiveness that it takes on a call. And so I think that if you can come to the table with those, it's an easier transition as you ramp up into a sales role. And I'm curious too, as you say that, what are, when, when educators come and they join the team then, and you're talking about those skills, like what do you think some of them get wrong about a role in sales or even a role in ed tech in general? So a lot of times I think people think that sales is less stressful, right? Than, than their role as an educator. Cause I understand like, I've never been an educator, but I've now worked with many of them and it, it sounds like it's a really tough job, right? And so, but sales is also tough. It's just a different type of tough. And I think one thing to understand with sales is like, there is a quota assigned to you as a rep and you have a number that you have to reach and exceed. And if you fall short of that number, like your job's on the line. And so typically there's only a set period of time in which you can perform and produce and then you need to consistently produce. Otherwise, like there's always a risk of losing your job, right? And so that stress level can be really, really, really challenging for a lot of people. Um, where I think one of the advantages of the education system is like 
people are typically there for a longer period of time, right? And so they see that longevity where um, in a corporate sales world, that may not necessarily be the case. Um, and so you have to figure things out really quickly and transition fast and then be able to sustain that performance, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I'm curious then, Jessica, like, what is it about sales that makes you want to do it? I, I know so many people in it, but I also, I meet so many teachers who are looking to transition and they're like, oh, customer success. And so it really stood out to me that you were like, no, I want sales. And it's very evident on your LinkedIn profile too. So like, what about sales attracts you to it? So I think um, going back to what I said earlier and just my passion for education, I think that's what is still driving me to want to get into the sales part of ed tech. Um, I think that's what would make me successful as long as it was in ed tech, because I just feel like I am so passionate about education. And as long as I'm standing behind what the company is selling, um, I think I would be really good at um, selling a product to like a school district or teachers. Um, I mean, my goal is just to like ease one part of a teacher or a student's day because I, I do know how stressful it can be. So that's kind of what is pushing me towards sales. Um, but sales and ed tech kind of more specifically, just because I feel like that is where my passion lies more so than sales in general. Um, so yeah, just be, and I've also worked obviously with um, COVID, a ton of different ed tech platforms and companies. And so um, I think I have a large idea of a, a lot of the different companies. And um, yeah, I just think that being able to hop on board with one of them would be really awesome because I know how they have helped my students and myself and our day run more smoothly. And so I just think that it would be really awesome to be able to um, jump on board and be able to help a teacher's day. So yeah, that's kind of where my head's at with sales. Um, yeah. One thing I would, I would think about too, is that at ed tech organizations, you know, sales is one department, but there's a lot of different roles where you can have an impact as well. And so right. um, I will typically ask candidates in the interview process, like why sales? And I'm looking for things around like they're competitive or they're driven by, some of the money outcomes that they can get from a sales perspective, because there is a big commission component. Um, you know, it's, it's great to hire people that love the product and are driven by the product. I think that's really important too. Um, also the other thing that I've found to be interesting is hiring people to sales that sales has like an art to it and a science. And so it's driven not only by some of the data, but also like your approach on calls and conversations has like a big impact um, from a sales perspective. And so I think those would be some of the things that I'd keep in mind um, when potentially talking about why sales um, in terms of candidates that I've seen be successful. And then I think the other thing is, is like from a sales perspective, a lot of organizations, when you're selling a product, you only actually interact with the client for potentially like 90 days or less. Now, if it's a longer sales cycle, you may work with them for six months or nine months. And so versus someone that's on the training side or someone that's on support, um, or customer success. So typically within an ed tech company, there's going to be all these different types of roles that interface with a client in different ways. And so I think understanding 
what type of interaction would you want to then have with the teacher and the school district, right? I think that can also help you drive and understand which type of role in an ed tech organization makes sense for you. Um, Because I think about my time at Schoology and Power School, and we hired a number of former educators, and they were all in different roles and departments and were successful in different ways. And so I think helping to understand what the different roles look like and what your skill set is and where you want to spend your time would be important too, as you think about why sales. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just kind of dipping my toe into this like transition pool. And so I've been also trying to take classes and get certificates and different like sales things to see what does interest me. Um, so yeah, I'm just like, right now the sales umbrella is so large that I, I'm i very interested in it. Um, but yeah, like you're saying, there's a million different aspects to it. So, But that actually, I did want to ask you when hiring teachers in the past and if um, they had extra classes or like certificates in sales, does that matter to you at all? Does that sway your opinion on their... Um, experience if they don't have any experience in sales like myself? Yeah, I mean, I've hired a number of teachers that had no experience in sales previously. Um, And like, Rob, I think back to you, like you basically did like an internship. Um, And so taking on some level of like, how do I get those sales skills? Maybe you find a way to fundraise in a local organization Um, maybe you find a sales internship opportunity, maybe you take a class to learn some of the sales tools that exist out there, um, or even like learn some of the fundamentals of sales. There are definitely more and more resources that are coming up. And so if I can find a candidate that demonstrates not only like they tell me they want to be in sales, but they're also like proving that they're going and getting that skill set to go above and beyond is important. Another thing that I think you could always do to help yourself stand out from an applicant perspective is, um, take a look at your LinkedIn connections. Like it sounds like Jessica, you're really big on LinkedIn, which is awesome. Right. And we're like, LinkedIn is a huge network and people need to use more of it. But, um, always when you're applying at a company, like look to see, do you have any first, second or third connections? Like who are those connections? Reach out to those people, try to get them to potentially submit your resume from a referral perspective. If you're at the top of the stack, your resume is more likely to be looked at. And then, The other piece too is like start to talk to these people before you even potentially meet with a hiring manager, get a sense of like the team and the company. Right. And so then when you walk into an interview, you've gone above and beyond. Again, you're already showing signs to me of like that go-getter drive and the ability to figure things out. Maybe sign up for a free version of the product. Right. And then use like some of your sales skills to position it. Um, So I think those are some of the types of things that I think candidates can definitely do to separate themselves, even if they don't necessarily have sales experience. Yeah, that's what I've been doing. Um, I mean, thank God for LinkedIn. I don't know what we would do without it, really. Um, But whenever I find a job that I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing, I will look at the people who are there and like who I can get in contact with, not to ask them for a job, just to like connect with them and see how the company culture is or how they like their position there. So, um, yeah, I felt intrusive doing that at first, but now I'm pretty used to it, honestly, that I've spent so much time on LinkedIn. <laughs> but it's, it's similar to sales though, right? Like a lot of times you're reaching out to people cold. And so if you're demonstrate that skill set doing it through LinkedIn, then you're already starting to build the right habits and behaviors for a sales role. 
Yeah. Well, okay, cool. I um have been taking classes and so I did just want to know from like a professional salesperson standpoint if that was worth my time <laughs> or worth any transitioning teacher's time to actually take those classes. I mean, obviously it's never going to be a waste of time to take an extra class, but um and actually be able to add them on your resume. Um because I've seen mixed reviews about those things on LinkedIn, so I just wasn't sure. I mean, anything in my eyes that you can do to go above and beyond, it's worth taking a shot at, right? So Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm going to add here, I, I think it shows, you know, true interest in sales. And I think, to be honest, that was one of the things that, as Amanda mentioned, I had some you could, essentially internship experience with sales that I think when it's between you and someone else for that role can help kind of get you over the edge. And then I entered into the organization with just a better foundation to build on rather than starting completely from scratch. Um, Amanda, you mentioned before uh, the art and science of the sale. Um, and I love that you brought that up because there were certain things that I was kind of, I had to learn, I had to be trained on. One of the things I think you helped me with the most was really digging into question question the question from the prospect. So if they're asking if the tool integrates with something else, as an educator, I was very used to just answering yes or no to my students. They're asking, when's the homework due? What time is practice? Things like that. And so really, it for me, it was a shift between selling a product to discovering value. And Amanda, I'm kind of curious on your end, if there's anything like overarching that you notice from an educator, former educator, that tends to be like the the common theme sometimes for them to to get over when it comes to edtech sales. Common theme to get over. That's that's a tough one. I mean, I think for each one, it's slightly different. You know, it's dependent kind of on their personality. Um, but I would say two particular things that I've seen from maybe reps who've struggled, which may be helpful. Um, so mm. one of them is actually the piece that you asked, Rob. So or, or the example that you just kind of gave there. So the difference between like understanding and communicating in a way to drive value versus teaching someone how to use the product. A lot of educators come in and they are the best from like training perspective. They're like a sponge for information. They're great. They're like the first, they're like the first person in class are taking all of these notes, um, which is amazing. They learn the product really well, but then on their sales calls, they're teaching people how to use the product versus the actual value behind the product and why the product is going to have such a big impact for the district or the students um, or the teachers, right? And so that is a big difference that I typically see. And so this questioning skill set and the ability to communicate that message is really important. And I think some people struggle to understand that. The second piece that I found um, for people that have come in and have struggled in a sales organization is they're a little bit more passive. Um, so I talked about that assertive and kind of confident piece. A big part of sales is really understanding why this district student or teacher would find value in the product, connecting the dots with them, and then saying, okay, great. Now I'm going to help you navigate your internal process to get approval and to sign up and get started. And so driving people towards this close and the next steps um, it takes a certain type of skill set, and I have seen some former educators where 
they're just a little bit more passive in that. Like they kind of assume that the person's going to do those next steps and things like don't really come to fruition. And so helping them kind of guide through that experience and driving towards the actual sale and close is really important. So those may maybe two trends, Rob, that I could call out that would be helpful. Yeah, I certainly remember, you know, try not to leave that call with a next step on the calendar, um, which is pretty critical because people have busy lives, they get distracted. And if you're not able to navigate that that opportunity and answer some follow-up questions that might come down from, from management, then, um, you know, that's never really the place that you want to be in. So Jess, do you have more questions uh, for, for Amanda, for Anna or I? Um, I was curious what your most challenging and rewarding parts of your job are, Amanda, for your sales position. I mean, I know you are in a much different position than I would be as like an SDR or a BDR, but um, just curious what the most challenging parts of it are and most rewarding. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I could talk back to my time as a sales rep because I was a sales rep previously too. Um, so I'm, I'm fortunate because when I got into sales, I kind of stumbled into it. I was a political science major. I had like no idea what I wanted to do after college, but I quickly learned that working in a nonprofit was not going to pay my bills um, and afford a roof over my head. So um, I ended up in sales and I, 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 again, like I was in a cold call position. I didn't fully like know what I was doing or why kind of sales. And over time, I think, what I started to learn was one, there was a process that I could follow. So I'm, I'm very process driven. And so what I learned over time was like, there was a consistent process that I could use on calls and across the sales cycle to help me win deals, which was really important for me. Also, um, challenging, like when I first started as a sales rep, I would have been purple on this call. Like, absolutely purple, stumbling over my words, like no one can believe it now, because now I can get up in front of over 100 people and speak comfortably, um, just because of the confidence that I got over time from sales. So my communication style has improved drastically from sales. And so is my confidence from it. And so I'm so grateful for my time as a sales rep and now as a sales leader. And, um, but I look back to my beginning days and my first manager used to be frustrated with me because I, I knew everything so well, so well that I could teach it to others, but then I couldn't do it on calls because I didn't have that confidence and I didn't believe in myself. And so I personally have come a long way since I started as a sales rep. And so for me, sales has been really rewarding over the years. Like I've learned a lot of new skill sets that I've taken and I've applied in other roles. So like Rob mentioned before, the, the questions kind of that you ask, my questioning skill set grew from being a sales rep and that helped me become a great interviewer and now a, you know, a great manager because I'm able to hire great people. Right. And so I'm personally really thankful for my career in sales and I looking back on it, i I never would have chosen a different kind of profession. Like originally when I thought of sales, I thought of it as like the sleazy kind of position that was like competitive and like driven by money and all these other things. And, and what I learned over time was like, there were so many valuable skill sets that I've learned in my career. And I now have had the opportunity to pass on to others. Um, and so while there were challenging days in the end, it's all been really rewarding and I'm very thankful for my time in it. So did you gain the confidence just through practicing a lot of calls and practicing, I mean, falling on my face? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my first job, I've, <clears throat> I avoided the phone when my job was to cold call. Um, 
I, I was very good at figuring out how to navigate emails and make connections with people and get people interested to take meetings from me. So I found other tools to kind of be successful as an SDR. And then when I became a sales rep, same thing, I, w- I was struggling in the role and I didn't perform that well. And um, I left the organization I was at and went to another company. And I am thankful that I did that because when I went to a new organization, I believed a little bit more in the product and that was helpful for me. And so that was when I started to get my feet under me more as a sales rep. And then I knew I wanted to get into management. And so I built the right types of connections um, across the organization to set myself up to get into leadership types of roles. And so again, over that time from like practicing it and like telling myself like I wasn't going to give up after the first time I struggled with it. Um, and then to give you some other examples, like I used to hate speaking in front of a room full of people. And so I would force myself to sign up for basically the sales all hands sessions when I worked at ZocDoc. And so I occasionally would then speak in front of a couple hundred people and it was like torture for me. But eventually, like five years later, when I was doing it at school, as a VP of sales, it became much more comfortable because I had so much practice and experience. So I think that's one of the things is like, you can learn these traits and skill sets I've talked about too. Like your communication style can improve and your confidence can improve. Um, when you come into a sales role, if you have that to start, you can be so much more successful faster, if that makes sense. So like, I wish that I had the skill sets today when I was a sales rep 15 years ago, right out of college. Um, but I'm thankful that I've developed them over time. And so a lot of practice um, definitely has helped to pay off. Well, that was my next question was <clears throat> if those skills, if you think those skills could be learned, because I know that you said that the top qualities were the drive, communication and confidence, but it sounds like they can be learned. It also made me feel better that you said that there's a process because I also am very structured and like process oriented person. So um, I like put a star on that on my paper. I love a good process. <laughs> Yeah, the interesting thing is, is like most of the time you kind of break apart um, what we call the sales process and you can identify like certain commonalities that consistently happen. And um, I actually can then use data on some of that process to help me identify like how to coach an individual that I'm working with. Right. So make sure like listening to their calls and talking to them as well as looking through some of the data, I can typically identify like what's the top one or two strengths or skill sets that they need to work on to really exceed at the next level. And so um, I've combined both that process, which to me is the science as well as the art um, to really drive employees to have their most success on the team. Awesome. I mean, is there anything that you suggest? Like I said, I'm like pretty new into looking for new sales positions. Um, But is there anything you suggest that a transitioning teacher can do? I mean, just to like prepare or make them maybe one step ahead in the application process. So in terms of preparing, I mean, it sounds like you're already taking some courses, which is great. So I think the more yeah. experience you can find the better and like even like fundraising to give you an example is similar to sales. Like you're asking people basically for money. Um, I actually think it's tougher than a lot of sales jobs. And so maybe there's like a charity or something that you're interested in that you could potentially try to do some fundraising work for them. 
Um, that could be just like one example, but whenever you do have that experience, put it on your resume. And even if it was in college and like you called for your career, like put that on your resume, write a killer cover letter to try to stand out, identify any potential connection that you can find through LinkedIn, reach out to those people. Network like no other is really important. Um, my boyfriend recently transitioned careers, um, from an account manager, into a sales role at a SaaS company. And like part of how he landed the job was through a connection that I had within the organization. It was someone that I'd worked with previously right now. He did all the hard work once he got there in front of it. But um, I think it's having that network is so incredibly valuable. I mean, you may have teachers who you know, who are at these ed tech companies too. like see if you can find some of them, see what their experiences are like, see if those organizations are hiring. So I'd recommend that. Um, And then a big part of it is like, once you do get the interview, you need to be prepared for it and you need to land it. A lot of sales roles, um, we do do role plays. So whether it's like a cold call role play or for instance, like sometimes you have to pitch a product. Um, and so we'll put you through that type of role play as well. And so see if you can find someone that has experience, right? And role play with them and practice with them. Um, so you're comfortable with that walking into an interview process. I think those could be some things that are helpful. And then the last piece I'd say is like, read up about sales and try to understand it. So when you are in the interview, like ask questions that tie back to that role. For instance, like what's your quota? What territory would I manage? Um, How's the commission plan structured? How many reps typically hit their quota? So you also, when you go into an organization, you want to go to an organization where more of the, the sales reps are hitting quota, right? So you have a chance to achieve your quota as well too. So um, so I, I think just being prepared for the interview is also going to be really important. So I'd expect role plays. And then the last piece that's interesting to me in an interview that you can do, um, in sales, we talk about a trial close. So some candidates, I've seen them summarize their interview and they'll be like, you know, Amanda, it seems like our conversation went really well today. And, and these three things in particular about my background seem like they'd be a great fit for the role that you're hiring for. Um, do you have any concerns about hiring me? Oh my gosh. I love that. <laughs> so like ask, ask for the job, right? Like given our conversation today, like, do you think I'd be a good fit for your team? Um, it's the same thing kind of as a sales process. And so also you get any potential concerns, hopefully out on the table there, and then you could objection handle them. Maybe you haven't talked about an experience that's actually extremely relevant based upon what they say as a concern. Awesome. Those are really, really good tips. I'm like writing them down as if it's not a podcast and I know it's recorded. <laughs> I feel like this is just so good. I was about to say, like, I'm, lear- I'm learning so much from this, right? Because I'm the marketer on the call. And so I like, you know, I've sat in on some demos, but man, I'm like, I need to just take some of this into my day to day. So I really appreciate both of your time. And I know like, I've learned a lot and Rob, I'm sure like, I mean, you've worked under Amanda, so I'm sure some of this is familiar, but it's all really important to cover. And I really just wanted to thank both of you again for taking the time on our inaugural episode, uh, which went off without, I don't think any hitch. So there we go. I'm, I'm feeling good. <laughs> thank you. Thank you guys for yeah. having with us. Yeah. Thank you as well. And I'm a big believer in helping people connect. So like if they're, Jessica, we can start with you. Maybe there's a transitioning teacher or a sales leader listening. Where can they find you on LinkedIn? Um, Jessica Terry. I think it's under Jessica-Terry-on LinkedIn if you actually type it in. But 
Just Jessica Terry on LinkedIn. Great. And what about you, Amanda? I was going to say, I don't know if there's a dash, but Amanda Rice um, on LinkedIn. And my current company today is Anvil, A-N-V-Y-L. And I was at Schoology previously, which was uh, acquired by PowerSchool. So it should be pretty easy to find me. Wonderful. Well, thank you both. I really appreciate your time today. 